Morning, guys. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Um, my name is Chuck, and I get to be one of the pastors here at City Light. And um, we have some rhythms around here. And basically what we mean by that, when we say we have rhythms, there are things that we do kind of on a regular basis. So one of those things that we do as a rhythm is we gather together on Sundays, and we worship and we praise Jesus for everything that he's done in our life, right? We would call that a rhythm. Another thing that we do is uh, we scatter throughout the week in smaller groups of people and we, uh, that we call city groups. And that's another uh, rhythm, if you will, that we do uh, every week here at City Light. Some of these groups get together and some of them eat together. Our city group gets together. We eat together and we talk about uh, the sermon. We dig a little bit deeper into the sermon and we also talk about ways that we can show our neighbors, our friends, our family, co-workers, uh, the love of Jesus. So that's another rhythm that we do. Now, we have that rhythm as a church and we belong to a family of churches that goes from uh, Emerson to, or yeah, I guess you could say Red Oak, to Lincoln, from Omaha to Kansas City. And one of the rhythms that this group of, this family of churches has is we get together every month, usually on the first Tuesday of every month. This last month, it was the second Tuesday. And we, we pray. We celebrate what God is doing, and we worship together. Now, when you get all of these people together, you get pastors and, and different staff and the, uh, the interns, residents, everybody that's part of a City Light church together, it, it mounts to be about 100, maybe 125 people somewhere in that ballpark. And it's a really, I mean, it's an amazing time. We get together, we celebrate, and we sing, and uh, we worship Jesus. Now, this last Tuesday, we did this. And we celebrated the five biggest things that um, our church celebrated that Jesus did in 2018. You know what one of those things was? We celebrated you, City Light, Southwest Iowa. We celebrated that all the change that's happened here in the last year. We celebrated that people have been baptized and that people are... Um, are growing in their faith. They're taking deeper steps in their walk with Jesus. Man, we celebrated that people are owning the mission of multiplying disciples and churches right here in little old Emerson, Iowa. We celebrated some stuff for you guys. Heck yes. Absolutely. I'm so thankful that God gives us things in this life that we can celebrate. But the reality is, is that there aren't always celebrations, are there? The reality is that sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life leaves us with more questions than answers. It leaves us with more pain than joy, and it leaves us with more grief than comfort. So while I was celebrating this week, I couldn't help but think of a time when we went through some pain, when we went through some struggles, it was about this time of year, about eight years ago, and um, our youngest son, Cole, was going through chemotherapy. It wasn't cancer, but it was a disease that was similar to cancer and had the same ultimate prognosis. And we uh, didn't understand what was going on. 
But we knew that if his body didn't respond to the chemotherapy, then we would face probably what would be considered the, the worst nightmare of any parent, and that is to outlive their children. Along with that, I was pastoring the church in Council Bluffs, and at this point in my life, I was in no shape to, uh, no condition to deal with the stresses of pastoring, so I resigned. So in January of 2011, I felt the most broken that I've ever felt in my entire life. My son was going through this experience that I thought in some way, somehow, I was supposed to protect him from this, but I couldn't. The dream that I had of pastoring people, that was gone away. And I remember um, we were in, a, in the bedroom in our old house with my wife, and I looked her in the eye and I said, Babe, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't fun. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever looked to the sky hoping that whatever was listening um, hoping that there was someone up there listening and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I didn't sign up for this. This isn't the way things were supposed to be. This wasn't part of the deal. Have you ever been there? Well, if you have, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because I've been there, people in this church has been there, and Habakkuk has been there. In the first chapter of Habakkuk, he asked questions like this. How long will I cry for help and you will not answer? He asked, why, talking to God, why do you idly look at wrong? Those are honest questions that I would think deserve an honest and straightforward answer. And ultimately, Habakkuk got that answer. But honestly, if I were honest, I wouldn't be happy with the answer that God gave him. You see, God answers him, and he says, Habakkuk, I hear you, but I just want to let you know, things are going to get way worse. Seriously? That's the answer he gets. I hear you, but things are going to get way worse. So as we look at these first five verses of chapter 2, we see that Habakkuk, he handles this with two responses. He listens and he waits. So when life's not fair, we listen and we wait. Let's look at it again. Take a look at verse 1. It says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out, listen, watch this, and look out to see what he has to say, to see what he will say to me. Did you see it? Habakkuk, he intentionally positioned himself to do what? To listen. He intentionally positioned himself to listen. I love this. This this guy doesn't ask the hard questions and then just leave. Have you ever been there? You ever had anybody do that to you? Ask the hard questions of life and then just bolt? He doesn't do that. Habakkuk doesn't ask the hard questions. He stays and he puts himself in the position to listen. He takes a listening posture. The Bible tells us that for Habakkuk, that looked like going to the place that he called his watch post. This was a familiar place to him. It was something that he did frequently. It was a place that was a part of his normal rhythms, but the difference is now that he was going to this place with the intention of listening and hearing what God had to say to him. 
Now, I remember that as Jen and I were going through this hard time in our life eight years ago, my watch post was my pickup. <laughs> and it was, uh, I wasn't in a watchtower, but I was driving on I-29, that stretch from Glenwood to Council Bluffs. And I would ask God some questions pretty frequently. They come out of Psalm 77, and I want to share them with you today. Beginning in, I think it's verse number 7. Look at these questions. Have you ever asked them? Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? You know what I heard when I asked those questions? I'd love to tell you that I heard some voice from heaven that said, son, it'll be all right. I didn't hear that. I'd love to tell you that I felt the brush on my shoulder of, of an arm coming alongside me and saying, it'll be okay, son. Giving me a little comfort. I didn't hear that either. I felt nothing. And I heard nothing. My faith was hanging on by a very thin thread. And I was ready to bolt. I was ready to, be, to bolt, but I didn't. I had to be intentional to put myself and my family in places where I might be able to hear from God. You see, sometimes the problem of life the problems that we face are so freaking loud. It's the only thing that you can hear. There are other things that are going on around you, other things that might even be good, but you can't see them, you can't hear them because you aren't in a position to listen. What our family did is we went to worship gatherings at a church in Omaha, and we wanted to hear what God might say to us. We baby... We, became part of a small group, and uh, it's what we would call city group, very similar. We went, became part of this city group, and that's where God did his greatest work. Relationships were, were built. Bonds were made. Um, hearts were being knitted together because many of us were facing some really big issues, and many of us would say that, it's, uh, that life wasn't fair and that these things that we were experiencing, these circumstances we were in, they were taking a toll on our faith. We were with a group of people that in our darkest moments of life, they were there, they were listening with us, and many times they were listening for us. You see, they helped us sort through the noise so that we could hear what God was saying. Just last week, my wife and uh, our son Cole and I were talking about this period of life, and um, I remember telling them that I remember feeling like I could no longer believe in God. I could no longer believe that there was a God. I was close to that point. I was ready to check out, and I believe that I probably would have if I didn't intentionally take steps to listen to what God might say. Can I ask you a question? How many of you are experiencing some of this stuff? Are the problems of life really loud right now? Does it feel like that's all you're hearing? 
Are you looking up and asking whatever might be up there, what are you doing? Can I encourage you? Continue to ask God those questions. Continue to come to God with those questions. But then listen. Listen. Where is your watchtower? Where could you go this week to spend time to intentionally listen for what God might have to say to you? Who in this room can help you listen and hear from God? You've taken the right steps because you're here this morning, right? I mean, we exist. This church is here to help us listen and hear from God in the dark days that life has for us. Right now may be the best time to jump into a city group and have a group of people surround you that can help you listen to the noise of the circumstances that you're in. Now, some of you might say, and praise Jesus for it, some of you might say, Chuck, I'm not really struggling. I'm not really in a bad spot. You know what? Life for me is pretty good right now. And like I said earlier, praise Jesus that you're in that spot. What can you do? Look around this church. Look around your neighborhood. Look around your community. Check out those people that you might be working with and ask them, chat with them, are you struggling today? And then you know what you do? You put your arm around them and you say, let's, let's take this journey together. Let's take this journey together. Help them find a watch post so that they can hear from God. All right? So when life's not fair, what do we do? First of all, we listen. Secondly, when life's not fair, we wait. Let's look at it again. Let's read verses um, 2 and 3 um, there in Habakkuk chapter 2. Let me get back to it. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not, not lie. Now listen, here's, here's, here's where it's at. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Doesn't that sound terrible? Huh? I mean, doesn't, that doesn't sound like much fun. He says, wait. Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm sure many of you are asking, is that the best you can do for me, Chuck? Telling me to wait to see what God might do? As oddly as it sounds, I would say yes. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is wait. God tells Habakkuk to wait for it. But waiting doesn't fit in with our instincts, does it? I mean, it doesn't fly with our pop culture, uh, take it all now, got to get things get done, got to make sure everything is all right kind of way that's been ingrained into us uh, from the time we were knee-high to a grasshopper. When things get difficult and when life gets tough, our natural reaction isn't to sit back and wait. Our natural reaction is to do something. Now, I remember when the specialist came into our room and uh, he laid out the plan for Cole's recovery, the hopeful recovery. And he gave us all the options, told us about all the chemotherapy, told us about all the pills he would have to take in the next days, weeks, months, and years. It was a long process. And I remember saying, 
Now, Doc, this is going to work, right? This, this process, these steps that we're going to take, it's going to, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to see my son do the things that a dad wants to see his son do as he grows up. Everything's going to be okay, isn't it, Doc? This is going to work. And the doc looked at my son, Cole, 12 years old, and he looked at me, and he said, Chuck, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. We'll just have to wait and see. Folks, I couldn't do anything. All I could do was wait. Now, after God tells Habakkuk to wait, the rest of the chapter 2 is spent warning the Chaldeans and letting them know that they're not going to get away with this stuff. There's going to be judgment that falls on them. But then, we find Habakkuk in chapter 3, and I'm not going to take Jason's thunder here. But we find Habakkuk in chapter 3. He is waiting and reflecting on what he has seen God do in the past. Habakkuk, he reflects on the story of God and he's reminded of God's goodness. When our faith is weak and when our faith is teetering, we wait. But it's not like it's an idle waiting, it's an active waiting. In our waiting, we're remembering the promises of God. We're remembering the story of God. That's what Habakkuk did. He remembered God's promises and he remembered how God had delivered his people over and over and over again. As I was making that trip between Council Bluffs and um, Glenwood back and forth every day, I remembered uh, some of the promises God gave. I was taken back to Psalm 77. I lived in Psalm 77 for three or four years and I, here's, what, uh, here's what we read. Psalm 77, beginning in verse number 9. Uh, actually, let's look in verse number 11. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people. In faith, I had to say what the psalmist said in verse 13. Your way, O God, is holy. Who, uh, who, what God is great like our God? You're the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. With your arm, you redeemed your people. What I had to come to grips with was that those things that I just spoke about, those are things that are true about God, whether or not my, body, my son's body responded to chemo treatment. Those things were still true about God, whether or not this treatment was going to be effective. In those moments where we were waiting for healing for our son, our faith was in a God that we knew was holy. He had worked wonders in the past. He redeemed us through Jesus. In those very dark moments of waiting, I began to understand what the end of verse number four says. But the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, those who are mine, they're going to live not by what they see, not by what's going on around them, but instead the righteous, no matter what is happening, 
They will live by faith. What will they have faith in? They will have faith in whatever God has said. They have listened and they will have faith to wait on God to fulfill his promises. Even when life doesn't make sense, they're going to wait and have faith. Even when every fiber of their being is saying, give up, forsake God, it's not worth it. They're going to wait and have faith in God. The righteous will not live by what they see, but they will live by their faith. So when God promises a child and you can't conceive, you believe that God's going to give you that child. It may come by adoption. It may come by natural birth, but God is going to give you a child. Maybe it's your, uh, it's your finances. And you say, I can't afford to give because I got all of these bills, but I want to be obedient to what God says. I want to be obedient knowing that he's my provider. So you, you give anyways with faith, knowing that God's going to supply your every need. Whenever your marriage is falling apart and everyone says, you need to go get a divorce, you say, no. I believe that God is going to work a miracle. He's done it before. I want to see him do it again. You know what? You don't live by what you see, but instead you live by faith. Life may be a mess. Maybe it's your kids that like people are saying, hey, your kids are making some bad decisions. They're saying they're going to end up in the wrong spot in life. But by faith, you say, no, you know what? I believe God's working in and through them. I'm going, to, I'm going to hold them accountable, but I believe God's working in and through them, and he works all things out together for his good. My parenting isn't reflected on this, but I want to see God work in the lives of my kids. So you have faith that God's doing something in your kids. You see, sometimes life isn't fair. It wasn't fair that my 12-year-old son woke up one Saturday morning in October and was coughing up blood. It wasn't fair that, that um, we had to spend over a week in the hospital. It wasn't fair that while we were in the hospital, those people that we thought were close to us didn't come visit or didn't come alongside us. That wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that I didn't get to experience and realize some of those pastoral dreams that I had many years ago. But God doesn't promise us that life is going to be fair. But he promises that he will be with us in those most difficult times, right? Amen? Hebrews 4 says it this way. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw near with confidence, draw, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Folks, I don't know what you're going through right now. For me, it was the sickness of a loved one. For you, maybe it's a broken relationship that you hoped would work out and it didn't. 
Maybe it's an addiction that you just can't seem to kick. It keeps sucking you back in. Maybe bills are mounting up and you're tired of all the collection phone calls. I don't know what it is, but right now for you, life may not seem fair and your faith is teetering. It's hanging on a thread. Can I encourage you to take some intentional steps to hear what God might be saying to you? For some of you, it might be jumping into a city group. It might be getting around some people that can help you listen to what God might have to say. For others, it may just be coming here every Sunday morning like you're doing and receiving encouragement from those people who walk through those doors. That may be what you're, the, some of the part of the answer is. For some of you, it could be, it could be that you need to say, I want to trust Jesus this morning. Jesus knows your pain, and he's experienced what it's like for life to not be fair. You see, Jesus, it wasn't fair that Jesus was, uh, that there was no room for him in the end, and that he had to be born in a barn. It wasn't fair that, that he was falsely accused and that he, uh, he faced a, uh, a trial in a Mickey Mouse court and was sentenced to death. It wasn't fair that he was nailed to a cross for our sin. That's not fair. Jesus was an innocent man that did everything that his heavenly father asked him to do. He was tempted to sin, but unlike us, he didn't. You see, we sin and we deserve to be punished. The right thing is for us to suffer the consequences. But Jesus, he died a death that, that he didn't deserve so that we could have a life that we don't deserve. But the good news is, is that the grave couldn't hold him. The story doesn't end there. Jesus died on a cross, but the grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead, proving that he was indeed God in the flesh, earning the right to say he could be our Savior, and, and earning that respect, that, that ability for us to say, I want to have faith in him. That's what Jesus did. Folks, would you put your faith in Jesus this morning? He can sympathize with where you are, with where you've been, and he knows where you're going. Sometimes life isn't fair, is it? Sometimes it, it hits a square between the eyes. But when life's not fair, what do we do? I want to encourage you this morning. We listen and we wait. Amen? Now let's pray.